All right, let's pray. Church, Father, we thank you for your word. Your word's always on time. It's always true, Father. Thank you for blessing us and, and opening up our eyes to see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Thank you, Father, for equipping us and, and, and for giving us wisdom as we come in here and we hear all about what you have already done for us. Father, thank you for blessing these people on their way out as you have blessed them on their way in. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. amen. All right. Look for the table. Look for the table. This is our table today, uh, our table every day. I want you to think about this table as we talk about it uh, in the sermon. Look for the table in your valley. If you're going through a valley, that's where you need to come. That's where your door of hope is, and we're going to see that in Scripture. Amen? All right, let's go right into it. Zechariah chapter 9, 9, verse 11 and 12. Okay, well, let me show you 12. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of? hope even today i declare even today church don't miss that even today what is the lord declaring to you even today i declare that i will restore double to you you might be going through a valley where you feel like you've lost something you maybe feel like you're losing something but let me just tell you this the bible says that he will restore double to you double 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 my pleasure Y'all remember the twins in the commercial? Double minute twins. Return to your stronghold. That means, listen, come back and you prisoners of hope. The first thing we want to do is run from the Lord. We want to run. We want to try to figure it out on our own. I mean, in our minds, we really want the Lord to comfort us. But when we tell the Lord, I got this, <laughs> that's called running from the Lord. Instead of resting in what he already has given you. So, so we, we are supposed to return our stronghold. He calls us prisoners of hope. We were prisoners before of hopelessness. But now we're prisoners of hope. Hope. It's crazy to think that way, but he's saying you got to change your mind. you got to stop thinking that you're hopeless and understand where I am. There's never no hopelessnesses. Anybody teach English? Try to email me, see what happens. <laughs> but look at this. The previous verse says, as for you also, because of the blood. Say, because of the blood. That's why. That's why we have hope. Don't forget that. That's the only way we have hope. Because of the blood of your covenant. Now, that's Old Testament. Who's the blood of our covenant today? Jesus. Amen? We have a new covenant by his blood. And because of that, he says, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. That's that prison of hopelessness. But now we go from the prison of having no hope to the prison of hope that God will make it good. Amen. Look at the, the word for hope. Now, we know in the Greek, it's el peace, right? Which is a confident expectation of good. Confident expectation of good. Well, in the Hebrew, it's a different word. In the Hebrew, it is tikva. Say tikva. Say it three times. <laughs> tikva. Tikva, chord, hope, expectation. So you can see in the Hebrew, it's the same meaning. It, we got to have a confident expectation. Amen? That's our hope, that we have a confident expectation. That's the word tikva there. 
All right. So David, if you think about David, when he would go, everybody remember Psalm 23, right? Psalm 23 is a beautiful, some people can memorize it and tell you what it is right now. But David talks to us about God in the first part of it. Okay. I want to see if you've ever seen this in the first part of it. Psalm 23, verse one through three. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is, like right now, present tense, right? Is my, say my, make it personal. The Lord is my shepherd, right? That, that's, that's how David says, don't just read fast through that. Man, break it down. Man, if I had them pants on, boy. The Lord is, is right now, presently, he's your shepherd. Amen. Great. What are you laughing at? I can dance. I wait till the Christmas party. I shall, I, oh, because he's your shepherd right now, guess what? You shall not want. The word want there is lack. You shall never lack because the Lord's your shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See how he says he makes me? Like he's not talking to God. He's talking to us. He makes me uh, uh he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake see he's telling us about god and most of the time when things are going okay in our lives we will tell people about god won't we we'll say man god is good not just good but he's good all the time right we always say that mountaintop experience man but what happens when that valley comes He's still good, right? But do you just tell people, or is there a time when we need to go to him? Like, we need to stop talking to other people about our problems and say, Father, I'm in a valley, and I need your help. That's what David does. Look, David in the valley, he talks to God. So in verses 1 through 3, he's telling us how good God is. And, and in, verses, in verse 4... He says, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no e fear no evil, for you are with me, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now he's talking to God. But when does he start talking to God? When does it change? Well, it changes when he goes through the valley. Say through. I want you to notice through. It's very important because we all go through valleys. But it says through. It doesn't say, hey, when you get to the valley and you camp out, you're going to walk through it. God doesn't leave you there. You walk through it. And he's your shepherd. He leads you through it. Amen? That word through is very powerful when you meditate on it. Because a lot of us think that, hey, well, this is just my lot in life. I'm stuck here. No, man. You're walking through that valley. Through it. He always gets you through it. All right? You prepare a table a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> Sickness is an enemy. Death is an enemy. God prepares a table in the presence of sickness. In the presence of death. He's not saying, hey, come in here. Let's do this and then go back out. No, no. In the pre the, like, like your symptoms, they are witness to the power of the table. The finished work. Amen? Love that. You anoint my head with oil. Oil. So you got the bread. 
you got the wine, and you got the oil. All three of them are very important, wouldn't you say? Yeah, in Psalm 23 it does. It tells you all about it, right? You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. His cup runs over. It's not just full. It's more than enough. Whew, here's, the, here's the result of going through a valley and talking to your father. Here's the result. Ready for this? Surely. Not maybe. Not I hope so. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. The word follow me there in Hebrew is hunt you down. Goodness and mercy will hunt you down. Isn't that beautiful? The, the Hebrew is such a beautiful language because it's so, it's like, it's like when Kelly needed goodness and mercy in her life, God sent me to hunt her down. And I'm not even a hunter. True? Stop. Okay. Hosea. 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 We preached on this a couple weeks ago, if you remember. But Hosea, God was telling them in the, by the prophet Hosea that, hey, this is what I'm about to do, right? I'm about to redeem you guys. I'm about to get, get you back. I will give her, as the, the, people, the people of Israel, I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Accor. You remember that? What does Accor mean? Trouble, right? As a door of hope. In your valley of trouble, he's going to give you a door of hope. A door of hope. She shall sing there. Anybody ever feel the love of God in your valley and you can't help but sing? Sometimes you need to push through that. You know how you're walking through it and you don't feel like singing. Well, guess what? Put on a worship album. Turn your mind, your thoughts to Jesus. You want to get through the valley quicker? Stop being stubborn. Start worshiping. Start singing his praises from your lips. Amen. All right. As in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt, valley of trouble as a door of hope. He's literally saying, oh, here's the word, by the way, a core. See, trouble, that's disturbance. That's a valley. When you go through that valley, he's going to provide a door of hope. And I want you to notice this. The door is not on your mountain. It's in your valley. That door of hope is not on the mountain. It's in the valley. Because the Lord comes to the valley and meets you there. And he gets you through it. He gets you through it. That's where your door of hope is. And we got to understand that, when, that, that in every situation, God provides that way out. He provides a door of hope. Confident expectation of good. The word hope there is tikvah. A good expectation. Sometimes we get so hopeless by everything that's going on around us that we forget who our father is. And he's the last one we go to. We put more faith in Google. We put more faith in the news and politicians and pastors. We put more faith in people than we do our father. And that's not a, con a condemning statement. That's saying, hey, change your mind. Repent. Understand who your father is. He loves you. And he's telling you this. I'm not making this up. This is the word of God. Right? Luke 8. 49 through 50. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. You remember this? 
your daughter. He had just, so the father of the, syn- the, the guy of the synagogue came to Jesus. He said, hey, my daughter's dying. I need you to come. He's like tugging on him, right? And Jesus is walking, and this woman with the issue of blood reaches out, touches the hem of his garment. Ready? Remember that? And, and so the, da- the dad's like, are you done with her? You ever have somebody talking to the pastor or praying with the pastor, and you wanted to pray with the pastor, and you're like, Like, I'm sure they got problems, but they ain't my problems. I got my own problems. Right? <laughs> Y'all laughing because you know I'm <laughs> So this guy, his daughter's dying, man. He's like, uh, he's like, Jesus, that's a valley when your kid is sick. Amen? So, so your daughter, uh-oh, the synagogue has saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. Anybody ever have positive people in your life? This guy's praying. Now, he knows the only answer to his issue is Jesus. And he, by faith, went to Jesus. And he's, like, tugging on Jesus. And Jesus is healing everybody else. He's like, what about me? What about me? And and, and then he's got friends that come on and say, hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. Don't listen to people who speak hopelessness over you. Don't. Because it'll drag you down. That's not who you are. That's why, that's why this is in Scripture. He wants you to know. He wants you to know he's your father. Look, look, Jesus says this. But when, when, when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, what did Jesus hear? Your daughter is dead. Don't bother Jesus. Look what Jesus does, man. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, do not be afraid. Only believe. That means only have hope. Don't listen to that hopelessness stuff. Have hope. Only believe and she will be made well. And was she made well? Absolutely. She was healed. Jesus didn't even have to go touch her. He didn't even have to go touch her. It's what he said. And I want you to know. I want you to know. Jesus is not dead. He's alive. He's saying things today. He doesn't have to come down here and touch our kid. He can say it. But what is it? Don't be afraid and believe. Have hope. Don't be hopeless. Have hope. He took your agony. See, this is where Satan tries to attack. Say, look at everybody else, man. There's death and destruction all over this place. The country's divided, right? You got to be on this side or this side. That Satan does that stuff, man. God, Jesus, unites. He brings people together of the same mind, right? Because he, if, if people, the church is divided today, would you agree? Yeah, church is divided. Theology does all that stuff. Satan gets in there and does all that. Men's pride does it, right? But I'm here to tell you, Jesus, when you have the same mind, you start to see things happening, manifest, amen? So he took your agony. Where do I know that from? Well, we, we're going to cruise through this real quick. Luke 22. Uh, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. There's a mountain of olives, right? You guys remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, if you read and you can Google it, you can search it out. You can go through some Jewish old history books and you'll see that there's a Mount of Olives, but the Garden of Gethsemane is down from that, right? So Jesus is on this mountain, but he comes down into this valley. You with me? Jesus comes down into this valley. And he comes into this valley. Disciples, um, <clears throat> When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them by the stone throw away and he knelt down and prayed. Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right? Yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. 
That's cool, right? You guys have angels assigned to you, by the way. Amen. Do you believe that? The Bible says that. Um, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So Jesus was in agony. Jesus was in agony. Does Jesus deserve to be in agony? No, he's perfect. You know why he was in agony? For you. He's with you. He says, cast your cares upon me. He didn't say cast my care. Cast your cares upon me. Why? Because I care for you. Amen? He took your agony. When you go through a valley, sometimes there's no hope and you're in agony. You're like, what's going on? You're dying. You're praying. How many of you guys have ever prayed for a child and you're like on your knees bawling? You're like, and, 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 and then God, God sends people into your life to encourage you. He didn't send people a statistician in your life saying, well, nine out of ten times they're going to die. Don't look at stats. God ain't about stats. Amen? People give you uh, statistics of this is, this is the survival rate for this. You're like, that's earthly. I appreciate it. But my faith is not in those stats. My faith is in my Savior. Amen? So his, his sweat became like great drops of blood. We remember that in the garden. His, his blood, it takes blood to redeem things. Amen. So he redeemed us in this garden. What we lost in another garden. You agree? Isn't that beautiful? First Kings 18. And it came to pass at the, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Do you remember the great sacrifice competition? Anybody remember that? That Baal had all their prophets in the, in the bull. And you got, my, you got uh, Elijah over here with his bull. And, and he's just waiting on them, their God, to do their thing. And it never happens. And Elijah just finally gets tired of it. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, okay, 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 okay. He's like, Lord God, Abraham. But look at the time that he did it. It came time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, 3 o'clock. That's when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross. Amen? Died on the cross. So evening sacrifice, 3 o'clock. Uh, he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Great victory. Great victory, right? It, it, it's a famous story. And how many of you guys have ever had a great victory in your life and you had your faith built up and then all of a sudden something happens? Right? Like almost immediately. You have this great victory in your life that the Lord gave you and then immediately something happens. You get some kind of news. And so our life is kind of like this. Wouldn't you say mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys? Same with Israel. Right. So Israel had this great victory and then uh, he, he killed all of them. He had them. See, then Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the book Kishon and executed them there. Right. Killed all of them. Great victory for the Lord and for the for the children of Israel. He got them back from worshiping Baal. Right. Chapter uh, chap. This is chapter 18. Chapter 19. Jezebel comes in. I think we know Jezebel. We named our Chihuahua Jezebel. 
And it literally was the devil. <laughs> Names matter. We're going to get a chihuahua name it Mary. Mother Mary or something. We're going to get something. Now, as soon as they had that victory, here comes Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria. It's a picture of Satan, right? Gathered all his forces together, 32 kings. There were 32 kings under this guy. Think about that. 32 kings under him. Uh, we're with him with horses and chariots. And he went up and besieged Samaria and made war against it. Then he sent messengers into the city to Ahab. Ahab is now the king, right? Or still the king. King of Israel and said to him, Thus says Ben-Hadad, your silver and your gold are mine, your loveliest wives and your children are mine. Now, if somebody came to my house and said all that, I'd be like, well, you could take that one. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> That's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> but you ain't getting all my junk, right? But that's what he said. He's coming to get it all. And the king of Israel answered and said, my lord, O king, just as you say, I and all that I have are yours. That's a strong king that you want representing you, right? He's like, go ahead, take them. If you one of his wives, you're like, hold up. I'm sorry, what'd you say? Right? You, see, you couldn't be a king in Fort White and get away with some of that stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, then, then the messengers... <laughs> Then the messengers came back and said, Thus speaks Ben-Hadad, saying, Indeed, I have sent to you, saying, You shall deliver to me your silver and your gold, your wives and your children. He's like, All right, bring it over, right? Bring them over. But I will send my servants to you tomorrow about this time, and they shall search your house and the houses of your servants. And it shall be that whatever is pleasant in, in your eyes, they will put it in their hands and take it. He's like, Come get whatever you want. That, does that sound like something you want protecting you and speaking for you? No. So the king of Israel called all the elders of the land and said, notice, please, and see how this man seeks trouble. Say trouble. It's a valley of Echor, trouble. For he sent to me for my wives, my children, my silver, and my gold, and I did not deny him. And all the elders of the people said to him, do not listen or consent. Now that's wisdom, right? So we drop down for time's sake. Verse uh, 13, suddenly a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, thus says the Lord. I'm glad you listened to your elders and you're not listening to yourself. But let me tell you what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord, have you seen all this great multitude? One king, 32 kings underneath him, right? Um, have you seen all this great multitude? Uh, behold, I will deliver it into your hands today. <laughs> and you shall know that I am the Lord. And that's the only way you're going to know that that's the Lord. If he can take out all them people. Because you're looking at your fear. You're walking by sight. And so God said, I'm going to take them out today, right? And you'll know that. I, and, Abraham, and what does Ahab say? <laughs> He's like, who? who, 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 Who's on our team that can do that, right? Who's on our team? Again, he's walking by sight. By whom? And he said, thus says the Lord, by the young leaders. The, not the soldiers, not the experienced soldiers, the young leaders. The young leaders of the provinces. That's how I'm going to do it. It's almost like God takes one of the hardest things and gets the simplest things to take care of the hardest things so that we can't say, hey, it's because they had training. It's because they went to seminary school. It's because he's a pastor. It's because he's a worship leader. It's because all these excuses. God says, no, I can use the littlest thing to do this for you. 
So cool, man. Uh, then he said, who will set the battle in order? And he said, you will. <laughs> You're going to do it. He said, look, I'm king. I don't need to make that decision. <laughs> right? He tries to back out of his duty. I said duty. Um, verse 13. No, verse 15. Then, the, then he mustered the young leaders of the provinces, and there were 232. How many of the soldiers were there? Thousands. Thousands. How many of the young leaders? 232. See, God's wisdom is beyond our control. Amen? Or our, our fathom. We can't, we can't think like God does. And he mustered up all the people of the children of Israel. 7,000. 7,000. So they went out at noon. Meanwhile, Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings helping him were getting drunk at the command post. <laughs> because why? They were celebrating. They thought it was done. They thought they had it won. They didn't know who they were up against. Satan doesn't know who he's up against. He doesn't know who's in you. And he tries to make you think that he's not in you. But when you realize who's in you, Satan has to go. He can't be around that. He knows it. Right? All right. Um, men are coming out of Samaria. So he said, if they have come out for peace, take them alive. If they have come out for war, take them alive. And then these young leaders of the provinces went out of the city with the army which followed them. Small number of people going out against this big army, all right? And each one killed his man. <laughs> He's like, I got that one. I got that one, right? Each one killed his man. And so the Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them. And Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, escaped on horse with his cavalry, right? Then the king of Israel went out and attacked the horses and chariots and killed the Syrians with a great slaughter. This, this battle is not preached very much, right? But there's a reason. There's a reason for this one, right? And the prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself, take note, and see what you should do. For in the spring of the year, the king of Syria will come back. He'll come up against you again, right? How many of you guys know Satan won't just stop one time? He'll keep coming. He'll keep coming. He'll make you think you're in that valley for life. You're not. Say, Satan, I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through, right? Uh, I keep saying right, don't I? I feel like I keep saying right. Right? <laughs> now that I know. <laughs> uh, then the servants of the king of Syria said to him, their gods are, are gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger there. So the king was like, how'd they beat us? Well, their god is the god of the hills, the mountaintops. Their god is only god up there when things are good, but not in the valley. God's not there with them in the valley. That's what he's saying. Uh, therefore, they were stronger than we. But if we fight against them in the plain, the word plain there in Hebrew is valley. So this is what happens, man. Surely we will be stronger than they. The enemy says, man, if we can get you when you're not on the mountaintop, when you didn't just get back from youth camp, <laughs> and you're all gung-ho about what you're going to do for God, right? If we can get you when you're down here, we got you. That's how the enemy works. He wants to attack you in your valley. So uh, go to verse 28. It says, Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, This is why they're all about to die, because God's going to show them. The Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys. He's not, because they believe that, I'm going to take them out. I'm going to take them out. 
Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude in your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. That's why he took him out, because he wanted his people to know he is the Lord. Not just the Lord of the mountaintops, but he's the Lord when you're in your valley. Isn't that beautiful? Whew. And they encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was that on the seventh day, the battle was joined, and the children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers. 100,000 foot soldiers. They killed them, man. And the Syrians in one, in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek, into the city. Then a wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left. And Ben-Hadad fled and went into the city into an inner chamber. Chamber. Satan will flee. But you get to speak that power out. You get to believe what they believe. You have that now. God doesn't pop in and pop out like he did in the Old Testament. You have everything you need. We just speak it out. Whoo, Matthew 8. There's seven mentions of a mountain in Matthew, in the book of Matthew. Right? Each one of them have a meaning. This one, Matthew 8, is when Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount. Right? He's on the mountain. But then he comes down the mountain. What happens when Jesus comes down the mountain? This happens. When he had come down from the mountain. Think I'm lying to you. When he come down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. And behold a leper came and worshipped him. Worshipped him. Saying Lord if you are willing you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. How, how much a leopard longed to be touched. Because back then you couldn't touch a leper. If you're a leper, you can't be touched. So this cat, for however long, however old he is, has never been touched. So Jesus didn't just give him healing. He touched him. Something he, some, he, he wanted something. He longed for something even more than just healing. And Jesus gave him that. Don't you know that was a love hug too for Jesus to touch him? He didn't ask to be touched. He just said, heal me. All right. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately. What, but where was it? Jesus came down to the valley. He came down to meet him. Amen. Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus is up on the mountain. And it's another mountain, right? God's saying, This is my son whom I'm well pleased. He's on a mountain. Two days later, when he comes down that mountain, guess what? There's a demonic uh, 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 boy, right, who has a a spirit of, of demon in him, and, he, and, and, and he's so suicidal that, that it, he tries to kill himself in a fire. He tries to drown himself, right? But, but Jesus heals him of that. Just like that, he heals him. He came down from the mountain to heal him in the valley. Again, Goliath was beaten in a valley by David, the beloved. That's what his name means. You are God's beloved. All right, one more time. Genesis 14, 17. This is, this is, this is awesome. All right, look at uh, verse 18 first. See it? Then, then Melchizedek, king of Salem. Salem, anybody know what Salem is? Not the witch thing. That's how Satan tries to turn it around. Salem is actually the original name of Jerusalem. Okay, so uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out what? Bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. King Melchizedek. This is the only place you see about him unless you go to Hebrews. Because all the priests were from the Levites. Right? But we are priests out of the order of Melchizedek. That's what the Bible says. Why not Aaron? 
and his sons. Because Jesus is a priest, Melchizedek, Jesus is a priest that only blesses. Whereas Aaron and the priest, the Levitical priest, they bless and curse depending on how you act. So the Bible says that we are priests under the order of Melchizedek. And what does Melchizedek do here? Abraham has, is fighting four battles. Four battles. And he's down, he's, he's in this thing. But what I want you to see is verse 17 now, knowing the background. And the king of Sodom, that is king of, that's, the, that's uh, Satan. That's a picture of Satan. King of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shabbat. That is the king's valley. The king's valley. Now, why would the Holy Spirit put that in parentheses? How come the Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't interpret every word like that? There's got to be something there then, amen? So, uh, the king of Sodom, that means like king of fire, king of burning. That's a picture of Satan. He went out to meet in the valley of Shabbat. That is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of the Cheruloma, and the, and the kings were with him, all right? So, this king's coming out. But guess what? Why is, why is the, the, valley, the valley of trouble for Abram? Why is it now the king's valley? Why is the Holy Spirit said this is the king's valley? Because Jesus came down to that valley. Whenever Jesus comes down and brings the bread and the wine, that's now the king's valley. Whatever trouble you're going through, you come to this table, that's now the king's valley. That's you giving it to God. That's you saying, here it is, Father, you take it. You take it. I don't know what to do. I'm in this hopeless situation. Man, when you, when you come here and you leave that table, it will not be hopeless anymore. Because now it's the king's valley. You're giving your trouble to him. You're casting your care upon him. Do not be troubled, children. Don't be afraid. So now, when you go back to Psalm 23... It makes sense. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This king of Sodom is an enemy. And there's a table there now. In the presence of this king, Jesus, the high order of Melchizedek, came down and he brought bread and wine to Moses or Abraham. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he does for us. That's what this table is for. It's so important that we understand that our door of hope is right there at the table. Whatever you're going through, you got family issues, man, get your family together at the table and say, hey, we're about to do this. I know I need to work on it. Anybody else need to exercise their faith a little bit more? All right, last thing. First mention of hope. How many of you guys know hope is important, right, Bob? Remember the story of Rahab, one of your favorite stories that you've learned here? Right? What the word means? Token? Huh? It's unbelievable. It, it'll open your eyes. This is going to be so good right here. So good. And, man, I can't wait for next Sunday for y'all to hear it. First mention of hope in the Bible. Whoo! Y'all remember a lady named Rahab? What was Rahab? Anybody know where her occupation was? Yeah, right? It, God is about to show out right here, right? When you think you ain't good enough or you di you're disqualified, I want you to know that that's not how God feels about you. Amen? All right, so now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from uh, Achaia Grove. Uh, that sounds like a trailer park in Southeast Gainesville I grew up in. 
<laughs> to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. Jericho, now when we talk about marching around the walls, it wasn't like a, a wall wall. It was a wall that was so thick they used to have races around it in chariots. I mean, it was thick, right? So, so uh, Joshua, if you remember, God told them to send, a, uh, to send um, Moses to send 12, or Moses said send 12 uh, spies in, right? Two of them came back, Joshua and Caleb. And they said, it's, it's good, let's go get it. Ten of them said, the law, ten of them, ten of them said, nah, we ain't going. It, they, they, they will kill us. And so out of fear, God said, well, you're not going to enter this promised land. Joshua's going to go get it. Joshua and Caleb could go, but you'll never see it, right? You guys remember that? Um, so Moses is a picture of the, the law. The law cannot get you into the promised land, right? It takes Joshua, whose name is Yeshua, Jesus, takes Jesus to get you into the promised land. Amen? Okay, so we pick it up right here. Um, verse 8. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know, I know. What was it about Rahab? I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. The very thing the Israelites were afraid of was scared to death of them. Think about that, church. I'm telling you, because the enemy is scared of you. The enemy doesn't want you to know what the Bible tells you. The enemy doesn't want you to know that you have power in your mouth. And that power comes from who's in you. Your supply source is the finished work of Jesus. This table, when you understand this, man, you've got this great power. And the enemy is so afraid of you. And some of you will walk for 40 years in the wilderness because you don't understand it. And that's why it's our job to teach you this. Amen? Set you free from all that. Um, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. Like they heard. The giants heard how what God did, right? Heard about it. And they were like, yeah, we don't mess with him. But they were so scared they never came over. Forever. For 40 years. They're thinking they're, they're coming today. They're coming today. The enemy was so afraid. And they never came because they were so fearful. Whoo, and came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of Amorites uh, who were on the other side of the Jordan, the Sihon and the, and the original gangsters, whom you utterly destroyed. They knew, right? And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any one of us because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God. She's not a Jewish person. She's not an Israelite, but she knew she knew, and uh, he, he is God in heaven and above on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you shall also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token, right? And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, uh, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for your life. Uh... If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we shall deal kindly and truly with you, then she let them down by a rope, say rope, through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. She lived in that thick wall, okay? 
And she said to them, get to the mountain lest they, the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards, you may go your way. So the men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless, this is the deal they're making. When we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your own home. He's like, bring them in. Bring them all in. Right? This is how you're going to be saved. This is how we're going to be saved. You see the word, unless you bind. Say bind. Bind means to tie together. Right? That's what it means in Hebrew too. Bind together. You got to bind these two things together. You got to bind a line and a scarlet cord. Now the scarlet is a the scarlet cord is a picture of the blood of Jesus, right? It's the blood of there's a reason it was scarlet. It's the blood of Jesus. You got to bind the blood of Jesus with something else. The line, say line. Mm -hmm. The line and the cord are the same word. You got to bind the blood with this line you got to tie them together and the word line is tikva hope you got to bind hope and the blood together and when you bind hope and the blood together you are saved you are saved i'm not talking about just getting to heaven i'm talking about you're saved in your valley you're saved from that stinking thinking that there's no hope when you start to say i have hope because of the blood BAM! You have victory. And it's not a victory that you have to work for. You just got to by faith say, I'm binding hope and I'm binding the finished work of Jesus and I'm putting them together and I do have hope. I have hope in my valley. Amen? Isn't that beautiful how those words mean something like that? And so when, you, when he says return to the stronghold, you're prisoners of hope. You're a prisoner of hope, church. You're not trying to find hope. You're not trying to find peace. The Bible says you have peace. The Bible says you have hope. It's, a, it's up to us to activate it by faith. You have to let that line show. you got to tie them together. you got to have a confident expectation that because of the blood of Jesus, you have hope. You have victory in your valley. That valley is nothing but a learning opportunity for you. It's a training facility. You get to walk through it by faith. You don't camp there. You don't stay there. But you want to get through there quicker? Start believing. Start believing right. Start believing that you have hope because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So listen, don't forget that the, the, the table is your door of hope in your valley. The table is. You can do this at home. You can come to the table at home with your family, with your wife, with yourself. You can just go to your father who loves you. You don't need me. You don't need Dwayne. You can do communion on your own. God has made you a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Bring the wine, the cracker and the wine, bring the bread and the wine down into your valley and partake. All you're doing is reminding yourself of the blood that we have. Amen? Can I get whoever it is to come down here? We'll get on, we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll do communion right now.
So I want you to think about this. Whatever valley you're going through, listen, I know you guys have some valleys. I do. I know. I know you have valleys. I have valleys. But as you think about this valley that you're going through, you and your family, I want you to also think about what we just read, that we're about to tie together our hope and the blood of Jesus. And you're going to see in your valley of trouble that you have a door of hope at this table. Remember, that door of hope is not found on your mountaintop. It's found right in your valley. And Jesus has come down to meet us there. Amen? That's what this table is all about. Church, y'all ready to exercise your tikva? Amen? My tikva, my hope, my hope is in Christ. My hope is, in, is not in the, the Christ. How many of you guys know that we're not... We're, we, we don't serve the Christ that came before the cross, right? We, we, we don't operate in the Christ that came before the cross. We are new creations because of post-cross. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we'd have nothing. But he did rise from the dead. So we're a new creation in Christ. That's the Christ, the resurrected Christ. That's who we are. That's who's in us. And so we have this power, man. When Satan gets all judicial with you and says you don't deserve it, you say you're right. Because you don't understand grace like I do. And don't let religion take that away from you. Sometimes you don't even need Satan to do that. You do it to yourself. Amen? Look, you got to know who you are. You, you, you get to exercise this door of hope, this opportunity. When Satan says you don't deserve, that you deserve this, this, this disease, right? You deserve it. Somebody says you got all this stuff in your lungs. Your lungs are failing because you smoke. You deserve death. You got to nip that in the bud and say, that's not for me. My death has been conquered. I might have consequences, but that's not the end for me. The end for me is going to be good. The end for me is always going to be good. Doesn't matter what I've been through. Some people say, you don't deserve this, you don't deserve that. You don't, you don't deserve, uh, or you deserve this sickness because of what you did. You just made bad consequences. You say, no, that's not true. I'm not defined by my, 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 my decisions and the consequences. I'm defined by what the Bible says. And the Bible says that by his stripes, I am healed. And the Bible says that he himself, not he with me, he himself bore my sicknesses and diseases. And that's all we can do is say by faith what the Bible says. That's it. I don't understand it. You come up to me and say, well, so-and-so passed away. How come he didn't heal this? Look, I get it. My mom died of cancer. I get it. I get where you're coming from. But I've changed my mind. I've changed the way I think now. I've repented. Instead of saying, I don't know why or why, why God, why, I just simply say what the Word says. Because that's what I'm told to do. Speak out by faith the Word of God. And you will have whatever you say. And we've seen it in this church. Amen. We have seen it in my life. How many of you guys can testify to that? Whoo, let's lift up this cracker at our door of hope. Amen. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we just give him all the honor and the praise. There's nothing that man can do. There's nothing that, that, that man will ever be able to do. You have done it. Father, I pray for the people in this room within the sound of my voice, Father, that you set them free right now in the name of Jesus, Father, they would just Simply rest in what your word says is done for them. Father, let them receive the healing that you have given them, that you have bought for them. God, allow their minds to rest in who you are and what you have done. And 
Father, thank you for showing them your glory. Thank you that, Father, you do this so that they will know, they will know that you are God. Today, they will know that you are God. And that you are their loving Father who's already given them all they need. Every time we do this, we do it in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Let the church say, Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we bless your name, God. We thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, for meeting us here. We thank you, Father, for all the things that you've done, that you've spoken, Father. Thank you for all the, the encouragement, Father, we received, the edification we received from your word. Thank you for reminding us of that which you've already done, that you what you've already given. For according to your word, you've given us all that pertains to life. Everything, Father. You've left no stone unturned, Father. You have supplied all of our need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, Father. We receive that. We believe that by faith. So, Father, now we just simply wait upon you. We wait upon the Lord for you to manifest these things, for you to bring it to being. So, Father, we just honor you today and we receive your word. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity now to just speak life over each individual, each family, every household represented in this place today. Even those who are not with us in the flesh, but, Father, who are with us in the spirit, speak life over them, over all of us, Lord. Thank you, Father, for drawing us together for this moment in time. Thank you for moving amongst us, Father. Thank you for touching our lives and bringing about healing in just a real way. Thank you for giving us hope. Thank you for equipping us with the truth. And your word says it's the truth that we know that makes us free. We declare he who the Son says free is free indeed. Speak blessing, healing, encouragement, strength over your people, over this house. Thank you, Father, that as we leave this place, we go equipped, completely armored, covered. Thank you for the armor of God. Thank you for all the provision that you've made for us. And I declare right now in the name of Jesus that we are blessed by the very best. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed. Hallelujah.